Welcome to the Calvary Chapel Lake of the Ozarks message podcast. Our prayer and desire as you listen to today's message is that it would be an encouragement and challenge in your walk and relationship with Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at ccloto.org or download our app in your app store today. Now, let's jump into today's message together. All right, so glad that you guys are here. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 2. We are in our kind of last session of our Rediscover Christmas series. You're probably thinking Christmas was last week. Why are we still talking about it? And I get it. Like the greatest thing that we did this week was take down all the Christmas decorations, put my house back in order. It was glorious. And I know some of you sinners are out there that still have your trees up and all your decorations. I even walked into the church this morning and I just thought, it hurts so bad. And so, um, and it's, and you might be thinking like, well, Christmas is last week, but there's still one more narrative uh, about the life of Jesus that we have that Luke includes before he's an adult and he starts his adult like ministry there for three and a half years. But it is different because this is a family ministry or a family service. So we only had nursery and preschool available. So all our kids are in here with us. And so you're going to hear things like that some growling, you know, maybe a little temper tantrum. And now if you're a kid, we're okay with that. If you're 45, security will take you out, okay? (laughs) But one of the things that we wanted to do, try to make it a little bit more engaging, and some of you adults are going to be like, are we able to do this as well? So we put together a family service sermon word search. So we put together a bunch of words, and I'm going to say probably 25 of these. Now, the sermon isn't 25 words long. It's going to be a little bit longer than that. But if you hear me say one of those words, you want to circle it. And if you get so many circles, you get some candy, right? And and again, all the adults are like, where are these sheets at? How do I get a crown? What's going on right here? And so, again, walking through that, I'll try to give you a couple clues as we're walking up to our first few. But they're in alphabetical order. But just keep searching for them. I think the record right now is like 26, 27 words from first service that you want to be able to beat. But if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up Luke 2. We're going to start in verse 41, and we're going to finish the chapter. This whole rediscover Christmas, pretty much walking through all of Luke chapter 2. So now his parents, Jesus' parents, went up to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. It's kind of crazy to think about, you know, Jesus being, being the son of God. Did he know, even as a boy, when they would go to Passover every year, the significance of what that festival was, because we know later in his adult ministry, that's when he was crucified. So every year that they're talking about the sacrificial lamb and would he be, yep, I know all about that. I know what that's going to be like. Just crazy thoughts. Verse 42, and when he was 12 years old, so we get a, we get a little time stamp here, they went up according to custom, and when the feast was ended as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, and his parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but when they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and they did not find him. They returned to Jerusalem searching for him, and after three days found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. 
And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her hearts. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. I think that's a great life verse for a student or a child is Luke 2.52. For us to increase in wisdom, increase in stature, increase in favor with God and favor with man. Not a bad verse to, to look at as we're growing up to be a part of. So one of the things I love about this passage as, you know, for us as parents is this. There's so many times, and maybe this might just be a way of description, maybe a little counseling session with the lead pastor. There's so many times I feel like I'm a bad parent that I just miss the boats. You know, I lose my temper, my patience with my kids, or, you know, I'm, I, I'm a little, maybe a little bit selfish with my time and I don't want to play Racco for the 90th time in a day. If you guys know what Racco is, that's a great game. You know, yeah. And so there's times so many that I feel like I'm a bad parent. And this passage gives me comfort because when you think about it, like the angel appears to Mary and tells her, like, you're going to give birth to the Son of God, Right? Like if there was ever going to be a favorite among the siblings, you would think the winning horse in that race would be Jesus. Why? Did an angel appear to any of the other siblings when they were born? Nope. Just like any other birth. But with Jesus, angel appears, says, hey, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. And to think about, and they lost him for three days. That gives me kind of comfort as I'm struggling with all the burdens and the pressures of being a parent and what that looks like and feeling like a struggle. I just find comfort in, at least I haven't lost my kids, right? I got four. I've never left them for three days and didn't even know. I mean, they went a whole day and they didn't even know he was there. Like, so I'm like, all right, it's not too bad. Like if Mary and Joseph, oh, favored one from the angel is entrusted with the son of God and she lost them, you know, maybe there's a little bit of hope that I'm not that bad of a parent than what I really am. So I take heart that I'm in pretty good company. And what we know from scripture, there's three institutions that God has blessed. You could say there's three ministries that God has blessed and he has ordained, it's his will to carry out authority or to rule over man. One is the government. As much as we like or hate that, it is. That is a ministry of God to carry out authority over man. The next is the church. This is an authority. It's an institution. This is a ministry that God is blessed to carry out authority over man. And the last, and I think sometimes the most important, is family. And we have to remember that family is God's idea. And anything that was God's idea, God's will, we know that our world, our culture is going to attack that. And I think even more now than ever, the idea of family is massively under attack. And, and the biggest reason is because it was God's idea. And anything that was God's idea or is God's idea, I think the world is going to come after it. And so if in your family, there's some struggles, there's some burdens, there's tension and you're probably like, why? Like, I, I look at my kids all the time, and I thought I would never say this as a kid. I'd hear it. I'd be like, you know what? I'm never going to say this to my kids. 
And then I say it and I hear my parents come out and it's like, ooh, put them back in. Quick, put them back in. Why can't you guys just get along? Right, like in my old age, all I want my kids to do is not fight. Oh, doesn't that just sound glorious? So many parents over here smiling, a couple tears are dropping, like I'm with you, pastor, right? And it's like, why is there such tension? Or like, even me and my wife, like, why can't she just get along with me? Like, I'm perfect. Like, what is her problem? You know what I mean? Husbands, you feel me? Don't answer that. No. <laughs> it's like, why is that? Why, why do we feel like our family is under? And it might not be these like massive bombing attacks. Sometimes it's like a death by a thousand cuts, right? Sometimes like a paper cut's even worse. It's like, I'd rather just get shot. But why is that? Because we're the family. And the family was God's idea. And I can't be shocked that the world who has no value system of Jesus doesn't like his idea of what family is supposed to be. So for the family service this morning, I'm going to talk to the kids first. Oh yeah, it's going to be great. And then we're going to talk to the parents. And I think it's good that both parties are here. I think is is really kind of how God orchestrated this whole uh, mini kind of study through the birth of Jesus in his life, and even now as a young boy. And so we're going to start with the kids, right? And kids, you got to be honest. You can't lie to a pastor, right? You know, that's not good for you. All right. And I'm, I'm going to identify as a kid today. You know, in our country, you can identify as anything. So I'm going to identify as a kid right now. Amen. All right, here we go. Kids, do you feel like you're smarter than your parents? Raise your hand. Absolutely. Amen. <laughs> Look, we got some honest kids. Amen, right? There's so many times, like some of these are raising their hand. Parents are just like, oh yeah, we're talking about this at lunch. Just wait. We'll see who's smarter. There, it's true though. There's times we as kids, we're smarter than our parents. You know how many times you know, like our parents come to us and be like, I can't get this device to turn on. How do I access the file out of here? And we, you know, parents look like monkeys just trying to slap it and be like, I know they're in there, you know. Or how many times are we talking as students and kids and we say, we say like some kind of slang thing and your parents are like, what does that even mean? You know, be like, no cap, no cap, come on, right? That, that's actually a slang the kids are saying nowadays. And like they don't even understand what we're talking about as kids. Why? Because we're smarter than them. We get it. And, and we can struggle that your parents are saying certain things or they want you to do certain things and it's like, ah, oh, mom and dad, you just don't know. You just don't get it. You're just so dumb. You don't know what it's like to be me, the struggles that I have. But it's actually kind of true. Like, you'll hear parents, they'll say it every once in a while. I'll be like, well, I was 16 once. Yeah, in 1947, you know? <laughs> like, bread was a nickel, gas was cheap, and, like, the world was just different. And, yeah, we might have been 16 once, but we, they don't know what it's like to be us as a kid. Living, let it be as an elementary school kid, a middle schooler, a high schooler, maybe even a little bit of college. They don't know what it's like to be us in 2023, now getting ready for 2024. They've actually done studies that says that our middle school and high school students are under more pressure than some top executives of some big corporations. And the burdens and the pressures that we have to endure as students and kids, it is, it's a struggle. And you're going to hear your parents say things like that. Oh, it's no big deal. But it really is. And we can feel like, man, they just don't understand. They're just not that smart. But here's the question. Was Jesus smarter than his parents? Probably so. 
Probably so. Look at verse 46 and 47. So after three days, they find him in the temple, and he's sitting among teachers. So imagine your parents lost you, and you somehow found your way to the community college here in town or the high school, and all the teachers are around you, and they're asking you questions, and that they're all amazed at how you're able to answer them and the understanding that you have right? Because that's what's going on. And after all who heard him were amazed at his answers. So was Jesus smarter? Most likely. Even, even those teachers couldn't even really comprehend, and they were amazed at his understanding. Even his parents, look at verse 50. You know, when they come to him and he says, you know, hey, didn't you know I was supposed to be in my father's house? It says they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them that his parents lacked a certain understanding where he was speaking of spiritual things and Mary and Joseph really didn't get it. What do you mean your father's house? We live in Nazareth. Get in the car. Come on. Let's go home, weirdo. Right? They are walking around the temple again. Like they, There was a, a certain level of understanding that Mary and Joseph didn't even have. And I wonder what Jesus was like. He was rolling his eyes. Oh, my stupid parents. No. Even though Jesus was smarter, how did he respond to his parents? So even though for us as kids, that we know, yeah, I'm definitely smarter than my parents. And the easiest way to test that, just take your math homework to a parent. <laughs> and we look at it like, when did we start putting letters in the math? And like, the math is a little bit different nowadays, you know? But how did Jesus respond to his parents? Look at verse 51. And he went down with them, came to Nazareth, and was submissive to them. So how did Jesus respond? Even though he was smarter than his parents, even though he probably knew more, he still obeyed his parents. Isn't that crazy? Because what we have to understand is family is God's idea. And you're probably asking like, God, why did you give me these parents? Why couldn't I have the cool parents? Why do you give me the, you know, the lame-o parents that are always just crushing my, you know, my vibe and everything I'm trying to do? And we could struggle with that. But understand, family is God's idea. And he gave us these parents, not because they're going to be the most intellectually smart, and the smartest person in the room isn't the necessarily the leader by any means. <clears throat> Thank you. I appreciate none of you guys laughed at that, right? You know, just me being the lead pastor, we're like, definitely not the smartest guy in the room. And that's okay. Because again, it's not an intellectual thing. It's a design thing that God designed for the family to be led by the parents, specifically the dad. Now, as we're talking about family, let's just open up the can of worms, right? Because if you have mom and dad at home together, you are the minority nowadays, sadly. And even where sometimes families can be broken, what we have to understand is the grace of Jesus plays well in brokenness. So even in the midst of maybe your family doesn't look exactly like Leave It to Beaver, that's a black and white TV show your parents and grandparents probably watched. Like, what? Black and white? TV? They didn't just YouTube it? No, they didn't. Even though your family might look a little bit different, God still loves you. Where you might have a mom only, maybe you have just a dad, maybe you have a mom and a stepdad, a dad and a stepmom, maybe it's aunt and uncle are fulfilling that role. Maybe it's grandparents that are fulfilling that role. Maybe you're in what we call foster care right now, where you have other people that are stepping in that role. Maybe you've been adopted and now you have new parents that maybe not biological, but they love you as if they were. 
But all of that, again, the idea of family is God's idea. And where, where even if there is something that's maybe a little bit different, God still wants to pour into those families. And, and he will provide that leadership for us as kids because what we have to understand is we're still growing as students, as kids. And we don't have the world figured out. And as much as we probably are smarter than our parents, they do have our best interest at heart. And, in, and to see Jesus, even knowing that he's smarter than his parents. And think about this. You know, one of the things that makes Jesus so different than anybody else on earth? He got to pick his parents. Dang. He got to pick his parents. And even though he was smarter, he still obeyed them. Because family is God's idea. And for us as students, God calls us to obey our parents. And there's a reason for that. Because as God gives us parents and he commands us as kids to obey our parents, we're doing that so that when we grow up and become adults, there's another father that we would trust and allow to lead and guide us. And there's another father that we need to obey. And that's our heavenly father. And that kind of puts the pressure on on parents to understand the role that they're fulfilling. And, And why should we teach our kids obedience And respect is because there's another heavenly father that we're training them up to follow and to obey. And so for us as kids, if you ever feel like you're smarter than your parents, you're in good company. Jesus probably did too. But he still obeyed them. And he still treated them with respect. He still, because I love where it says here, that he went down with them. He didn't just start kicking dust and running in front of them or, yeah, I'll catch up and I'll walk behind you know, we get that sometimes as my kids will be walking through, you know, a store or something like that. And, you know, when they were cool, my kids were cool at once. I don't know what cool means anymore nowadays, but they didn't want to walk with us. I don't want to be seen with you. Jesus walked with them and he submitted himself to them. He obeyed them. So be with your parents, submit yourself to them, allow them to lead and guide you. Why? Because your family, it was God's idea. Now, parents, haha, it's our turn. All right, now I'm gonna, and I'm not a kid anymore, I'm identifying as a parent now, right? You can just switch it just like that. So mom and dad, here's the, here's the key. Don't be afraid to give your kids a voice. I had all four of my kids in last service and they were sitting like right over here. And I was like, oh, they're gonna kick me in the face at lunch and be like, huh, let's talk to the little hypocrite up there talking to everybody about parenting. Mm-hmm, they don't do that for us. Again, because I have my own struggles, my own failures. I'm smack dab in the middle of my own sanctification. And just because I have the title pastor does not make me a perfect parent, right? Easy like Sunday morning, not written by a mom trying to bring all her kids to church, right? Ain't nothing easy about that. And even in my own life, knowing that my personal walk with God, but then my family and then my ministry, and it's a struggle at times, where I don't want my kids to feel like, oh, we lost dad to the church. And, but there's times they feel that. And there's real struggles. And I'm not perfect. And, and a lot of this I've learned by scars, not because I took some class and I'm a perfect parent by any means. So mom and dad, don't be afraid to give your kids a voice. Even in this situation, Mary and Joseph, they allowed Jesus to speak into it. So look at verse 48, 49. And so they finally find him, right? And they're like, dude, what's up? Why are you treating us this way? Your father and I, we're searching all for you. That just sounds just like a mom. 
Hey, Father and I were so worried about you. Why didn't you just let us know where you're at? Well, you couldn't send a text message. You couldn't just download Life360 and let us know when you were leaving. We were just sitting here worried sick about this, right? And, and normally as parents, what do we not want? Don't you say anything right now. Like I even kind of knew that as a, as a kid too. Like I know this is a moment mom's really not wanting a dialogue, right? She just has a few things she needs to get off her chest and speak her mind a little bit. You know, I'm just going to provide this safe space for her to talk, right? But and so, so Mary, she's worried sick about him. And she's like, why did you treat us this way? But he said to them, why were you looking for me? Do you not know that I must be in my father's house? And so even in this situation, Mary and Joseph, they allowed Jesus to speak into it. And we can't be afraid as parents to allow our kids to speak into life. And the goal here, what we see with Mary and Joseph in this situation is help your kids find where they're supposed to be, not where you want them. Let me say it again. Help your kids find where they're supposed to be, not where you want them. Because how easily can we try to live vicariously through our kids? And it's actually a way slippery slope than what you think it is. Because most of us would probably sit here and be like, I don't do that. If my kid wants to play sports, he can play sports. If my kid wants to be in that club, he can be in that club. If my kid wants to, I'll allow that. Now, again, it's within the house rules, you know. Like the kid can't be like, hey, I want to, you know, run away and you know, start doing all the really, really bad things. I'm trying to refrain from certain language there, right? I mean, there's still house rules, but within that, how many times do kids feel the pressure of, I would never play sports again, but why do you? Because I don't want to disappoint my dad. I don't want to disappoint my mom. I feel expected to do it. And we as parents would say, absolutely, knee-jerk reaction. I don't, I don't do that to my kid. Here's, here's the hard part for us as parents. Ask your student. Ask your kid. And if they're honest with you, you might be shocked at what they'll say to you. And that's a hard conversation to have, but it's a good conversation that needs to be had. Because what can happen is we look at our giftings and talents and maybe sometimes where we've neglected those or we didn't make the right decision and we're allowing the regret of our past to try to guide and direct our kid. But they're not us. God has gifted them and equipped them and he has a plan for them. And I'm telling you right now, it's not your plan. It's his plan. And so our job as parents is to lead and guide and shepherd. In a sense, we need to steward the gift of God that he has placed on our kids and help them figure out and understand where he wants them to be, not where we want them. And this is not even just like a sports and a high school thing. It can even cross into adult life. Did I really want to become a a lawyer or a doctor? No, but dad wanted me to. Or I had to follow in the family footsteps. What did you really want to be? Stand-up comedian? A musician? That's not a real job. You need to get a real job. That's no nine to five. How are you going to pay the bills? Who has the lack of faith now? But if God has put in them, like I had one student, all right, let's talk about it, in the church, right? In my youth group. She came to me. She's like, hey, can I talk to you about something? I'm like, oh, great. Because you just never know where a student walking up, like it could be anything, right? It is a slew of crazy stuff. She said, hey, I really feel called to missions. And I'm like, oh, it's a good conversation. Here we go. (laughs) It's not a bad one. I'm like, awesome. She's like, I know, but 
my parents want me to go to college first and get a real degree so I have something to fall back on. Yeah, that's going to be a struggle, isn't it? And I had to walk through that conversation with her. And how do we, how do we honor and obey our parents, but at the same time, not let go of what God has for us? And what I don't want of, as us as parents, as our kids, let go of the vision and the dream that God has for them because we go after the practical and what makes sense. And I said, you're just going to have to have an honest conversation. And just as much as she needed to trust in the Lord to lead and guide, we as parents need to trust to allow the Lord to lead and guide. Because who loves our kids more? Us or Jesus? And who has their best interest at heart? Us or Jesus? Who is their creator? Who is their sustainer? Who is their savior? Us or Jesus? And the hardest thing to do, what is it? Let go. Ooh. You're like, well, I'm never coming back to this church. That son of a gun up there, he can just quit talking. But this is, but there's hope here, right? So you allow them to speak into it. Have the conversation. Why? Because parents, what we need to understand, you are the most influential person in your kid's life. Period. It might not feel that way, right? They might slam the door, roll their eyes, say a little something under their breath. Yes, welcome. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, I know I did that too. Like I'm reaping what I sowed when I was a kid, right? But you are the most influential person in your kid's life. It's not their friends. It's not their girlfriend or their boyfriend. It's not their coach. You are. Now, some of those, you know, relationships that they have, coach, teachers, those are good, but you are the most influential person in your kid's life. And here's my encouragement. Disciple them. A lot of you are probably waiting for the other D word, to discipline them. Yeah, get the belt out, put them in timeout, ground them, take everything away. No, no, no. Don't discipline them. That, that's a part of discipleship. But if we only focus on discipline, we're going to miss it. Disciple your kids. I would challenge you to even switch the term in our own lingo that we're not parenting. We're discipling. Because discipling is about life transformation. I think parenting is about behavior modification. And what does Jesus want to see in us? Does he want to see life transformation in us? Or does he want to see behavior modification? Act right, do right, and all this, but there's never a change of hearts. No, discipleship is about life transformation. And we as parents are discipling. We have tiny disciples. This is our ministry. And, and especially for like, let me just, uh, like young moms, especially like stay-at-home moms, like I get that. My wife was a stay-at-home mom. I would come home from work and she would look at me. She'd just like, please talk to me. I've been talking to a three-year-old all day. I just need to have adult human interaction. Please talk to me. And I'd try to give her a hug. She's like, oh, no, 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 don't touch me. They've been crawling all over me all day. I'm out-touched. Just talk to me, right? And so disciple your kids. Parent them that this is, this is your ministry. It's not, oh, look at all the things I'm giving up because I'm a parent. No, look at all that God has entrusted to you because of your appearance. And there's seasons for that. You know, I think about the things that I, you know, once we're empty nesters, what we're going to do, oh man, I'm going to be like wealthy. It's going to be nice. All the money I look at that I'm dropping on these little ankle biters that I have, it's like good nights. I'm getting a raise the moment that they're all out. It's going to be awesome. No. 
And it's like, and it's just me and Ashley, like, oh, it's going to be great. Like going out to eat. Oh, we could almost do that every night. We could afford it now. Five other mouths, because one of them eats for two. We can't afford this. But understand the season that I'm in, I don't want to waste it away. And so many people used to tell us, like, when they were little, like, oh, just wait until they're teenagers. We've loved every season that our kids have been in. Now, is there different challenges? Oh, absolutely. But we have loved every season. Don't wish that away. Don't, don't use the teenage years as like punishments. No, we love it because we want to disciple through it all. And here's the key, discipleship. It's all about relationships, not friendship. Your kids don't need more friends. They need a parent. And if you, if you want to be your kid's parent now, be their friend, but then you're going to have to parent for the rest of their life. But if you will be their parent now, then you can be the friend for the rest of the life. See the difference? That if you want to be the fun parent that just allows them to do whatever and there's no guardrails and they never hear, no. Understand that when God allows those that have rejected him, what's it say in Romans? He gives them up. Have it your way. Have everything that you want. If you want to ruin your child's life, right? How many teenagers tell us that? Dad, you're just ruining my life. Nah. Now at 16, you might feel that way. When you turn 30, you'll thank me, and I promise you, you will. Because when I was that age, I didn't have that. And I struggle with the things that I used to be able to get away with and think that was a few years ago. <laughs> Did the math real quick in my head. I think I'm going to keep that number to myself. You're not ruining their lives. You're discipling them. Be their parents. And if you're their parent, I promise you, you'll be friends. Like our, our oldest, just he's 18 now, and he, he's an adult, and we give him a lot of extra of those freedoms now that he's an adult, and we respect him, and a lot of things we appeal to him, I don't command anymore. And like our relationship is great. Like we're having to have really good conversations. It's fun to be around him. It's like, where, where's this guy been? Even my son said that. He's like, why didn't we have this all these other years? Like when I was in middle school and high school. And I was like, because you were a butt face, man. <laughs> right? Like you, you were just a pain to be with. It's because I chose to be a parent. And I didn't choose to be his friend. But now because of that, even though 18 struggling years of being a parent, I get to be a friend now. And so I encourage you, they don't need more friends, they need a parent, disciple, and it's all about relationships. I think it's, I've learned this from Jeff. What's the line? Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Ooh, that's really good. And he didn't tell me that out of like, hey, I got a little something for your sermon there. He came alongside me as a dad with older kids, and I'm struggling with my younger ones and pouring into me, and sharing that. And that's needed. So if you got like little ones, find some parents of some teenagers and be like, all right, what am I in store for? What could I, what, what'd you learn? What'd you do right? What'd you do wrong? Like, help me in that. If you got teenagers, find some that, you know, they just kind of exited that season of their life. Hey, what'd you do well? What worked? What didn't work? Like, we're, we're a family. And again, family's God's idea. And if one part of the body hurts, doesn't the whole body hurt? So if one of our families is hurting and struggling, Shouldn't the whole body care about that? 
in a way? Shouldn't we, should we encourage one another even in our parenting instead of the opposite of what the world loves to do, judge each other by our parenting? Oh, that's not how I would have done it. Yeah. And you don't need to go further than you know, like a good mother-in-law to tell you what you're doing wrong. Amen, right? <laughs> Christmas must have been rough. Okay, here we go. <laughs> and so here's a couple things. Last, closing up. What I don't want you to believe, parents, is the lie that it's too late. Don't believe the lie that it's too late. Some of you might have adult kids and think, well, they're already 18, they're already in college, they're already adults with their own families, and it was, it was kind of rough, and we have this distant relationship, and walking through Christmas, everybody was on eggshells, nobody wanted to say anything too much because we're going to tick somebody off, and it's never too late. Because even, even when our kids turn 40, 50 years old, you know what they call us? Mom and dad. And we still need our mom and dad. And again, if family is God's idea and there's never an end to it, why was that? Because I think he knew we needed parents, not just until we turned 18. Be like, well, they, they don't really want to talk to me anymore. And as my wife reminds me all the time, who's the child, who's the adult? Oh, my kids never call. Who's the child? Who's the adult? And it's always our job as parents to take the first step. What if they don't pick up? Do you know how many times it's nice to look down and be like, oh, my parents tried to call me. Even though you're busy in that. I get it. They might not answer. They might be short with you. Take the first step. And then the second step. And then the third step. Be consistent in it. It's never too late. We can't allow our theology to get in the way because if we believe in redemption, if we believe in restoration, can God not do that even in our adult relationships with our adult kids? So it's never too late and it's never too early. So parents of young kids, it's never too early to start instilling spiritual disciplines. So if you got a little one that you're just wrangling right now, keep wrangling them in church. Good. We'll allow it. We're okay with it. Right? If we want a nice, perfectly quiet sanctuary, you know what that is? A dead church. We're okay that, I mean, you show up on a Wednesday, you would think there's a rave going on in here, right? And that's a student ministry. You walk out and cow kids is just loud and I love it. That's what we want. We want them to find a home in our faith. But if you're waiting like, oh, I'll start doing some of those things once they get a little bit older. If you wait, it's already too late. Because think, even Jesus, his parents, went every year to Jerusalem to the Feast of Passover. They didn't say, okay, we got the Son of God. We'll start going when he gets a little bit old enough to know what's going on. No, they went because of who they were, not because of who Jesus was. So if you got little ones that you're wrangling, like put some spirit, like read, uh, read a small Bible story every night. Pray a little bit with your kids. And praying with little kids is awesome, Right? I remember when ours were real young, taking prayer requests. I've prayed for stuffed animals. I've prayed for a blanket. I've prayed for goldfish, right? And like working in cow kids, oh man, the prayer requests that you'll get. Like at the end of the nice little Bible story, like, okay, kids, let's pray. Any prayer requests? Yeah, my mommy and daddy fought and yelled at each other all the way to church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if you want the tea, the kids will spill it in prayer requests with cow kids. It's hilarious. It's going to be fun. And, and it's hard because I haven't prayed for a goldfish for a while. That season's done, you know? 
but we're in this next season, and am I going to steward well what we have? But if we, we can't believe the lie that it's too late, and we can't believe the lie that it's too early, have your kids grow up seeing and, and experiencing your faith even before they understand it. Because the moment that they can understand it, you've already laid the bedrock that, man, to mom and dad, reading a little bit of the Bible and praying every night is really important. Or even just having conversations around the dinner table where it's not just, hey, what did you learn in school? And how's sports going? And hey, how are you doing? Are you finding too much of your identity in sports or maybe that boyfriend or girlfriend? Like, how, like, we've never forced our kids to do devotions. We've only encouraged it, right? Which is kind of crazy. Like, oh, your kids don't read the Bible every day? Probably not. I don't either. I mean, it's busy days. Like, it's a struggle at times. But we, if I force it, if I put that rule in there, then it's going to become legalistic. But I ask my kids, how's your walk with the Lord? How have you seen the faithfulness of God in the last few months? Have those kind of conversations with them. And I promise you, if, if family is God's idea and we step into that, would God not bless that? Would he not open doors for us even in our own homes? Because if we believe it, that this is God's idea and this is something that he has blessed and he has ordained and it's his design, should we not walk in obedience to God's design even for the idea and the concept of what family is. And I know it's hard. I remember at camp every year, Wednesday night was always family night that we would talk about, you know, familiness and the, and the burdens and the pressures and the brokenness of it. And all of us students would come forward snotting and crying because we all came from crazy brokenness. But it's still God's idea. He's still a God that saves. He's still a God that restores. He's still a God that reconciles. And the family is still his idea. And so I'm not a big New Year's resolution kind of person, right? I know I'm supposed to take care of my body, eat a little bit healthy. I should exercise. I get those resolutions. Yeah, I want to be, every time you know, we talk, it's like, I, I want to be in the word more. I've never met a Christian that's like, you know what? I think I'm in the word enough. I think I read the Bible enough. Like we always have a hunger for more of that and you be praying more. I get that. But if there was ever going to be a challenge on us in 2024, I think it's the idea of our families. Because I don't think there's any other area in which the enemy wants to attack us more than the concept of family. Because if we can erode the biblical concept of family, how much of our culture and our society and our country is built on that institution? And so, dads, Husbands, you're the leaders. Stand firm. And some of you need to stand up. And you need to get in the game. Don't allow your wives to be the spiritual leaders. Because they can't. They might be carrying that burden. But that's not for them to carry. That's meant for you to carry. Oh, pastor, I didn't go to seminary like you. I don't care. And neither does God because that was never a requirement for you to be the spiritual leader of your house. Open the Bible, get in the word, seek the Lord, lead your families. Wives, let them. Let them. If you keep taking that burden off of him, he'll never feel the full weight of it. And if he never feels the full weight, he needs that felt need to understand, this is my role and this is my responsibility. But support him, encourage him, respect him in that. 
Well, you're just not doing it right. Correct him in front of anybody and see if that does not just deteriorate his identity. You guys are a unit. You are one flesh. Again, it was God's idea. The relationship, the marriage relationship, that's the bedrock of the family. So many times, even when me and Ashley will get into disagreements, the very few times that I mess up (laughs) and she's struggling with it for some reason, right? And the conversation gets a little heated. Do you think my kids are like, ah, that's just mom and dad being mom and dad, no big deal. Let's go outside and play. Let's get a snack. Let's watch some on TV. No, it disrupts the whole family. Your marriage matters. You stepping into your biblical role matters. Keep leading well. Keep pouring into your kids. Disciple them. Don't just discipline them. Disciple them. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We trust you and we thank you, Lord. That no matter what situation that we find ourselves in, we can always turn to you and turn to your word. That there is always hope in every situation. Where we may feel hopeless, we may even say that. But Lord, if you are God, then we always have hope. And we would just ask that in any of these difficult situations and and the family unit, extended family, wherever there needs to be reconciliation, restoration, where there needs to be forgiveness, where there needs to be grace, Lord, we just ask that you would move in mighty ways. I pray, Lord, that you'd pour out your spirit on moms and dads, that we would stand firm on the biblical identity, the biblical role of father and mother, knowing that this idea of family was your idea. This concept is your will for our lives. And I pray that we would walk in obedience, that we would walk well, knowing that this is in one way that we get to be a light to the world around us, is to walk in obedience to what it means to be a family of God. Give us that kind of faith, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.